Welcome to My Fair Katie, a film review podcast. I, Katie Schimmick, will watch movies with my dad. That'd be me, Scott Schimmick. Together we will dive into sometimes deep, but hopefully always fun discussion of classic films. Today's movie is The Wizard of Oz. Made in 1939, The Wizard of Oz is a classic adaptation of L. Frank Baum's fantasy tale about a young girl searching for home. The movie stars Judy Garland as the heroine, Dorothy Gale. While Garland was already a child star, this is the movie that made her an icon. Frank Morgan plays the title role of The Wizard. Ray Bolger, Burt Lahr, and Jack Haley play her companions, Scarecrow, the Cowardly Lion, and the Tin Man, respectively. Did you know that the Tin Man was supposed to be played by Buddy Epson, but he was allergic to the silver paint? Who's that? He's uh, Uncle Jed Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies. Can you see him as the Tin Man? Well, doggy. Speaking of doggies, the star of the film is really Toto, played by Terry, a Karen Terrier. The Wizard of Oz starts in a dusty gray Kansas with Dorothy, who lives with her aunt and uncle in the early 1900s. Dorothy dreams of a better life, sure that there is something better over the rainbow. Her little dog bites the evil Miss Gulch, which leads Dorothy to run away in fear of losing her dog, Toto. She runs into Professor Marvel, who pegs her for a recent runaway, and the professor tells her fortune and wishes her a reunion with her Auntie M. Dorothy returns home to find a tornado approaching. She can't make the cellar, so she heads into the house and is knocked out by the window. The house is swept away into the storm. She sees Mrs. Gulch riding her bike. She is terrified. She wakes up to find herself in a colorful, enchanted world. So... She was banging on the cellar door. She Did they was. not hear her? Well, there was a tornado. Or were they just pretending they didn't hear her? <gasps> That's not nice. <laughs> no. It turns out she had been credited with killing an evil witch as her house landed straight upon the Wicked Witch of the East. Her sister, the Wicked Witch of the West, shows up to blame her for the murder. Sounds like my childhood Thanksgivings. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, Glinda, the good witch of the North, gives Dorothy the dead witch's ruby slippers to protect her. Glinda tells Dorothy to follow the yellow brick road to find her way to the Emerald City and the Wizard of Oz, who can help her find her way home. Follow the yellow brick road. (laughs) Along the road, Dorothy encounters three traveling companions. A scarecrow, who also wants the wizard's help in the form of a brain. A tin man, who longs for a heart. And the cowardly lion, who yearns for courage. The Wicked Witch does everything she can to stop Dorothy and get the ruby slippers back. She has trees throw apples, sets the scarecrow on fire, and knocks them out into a field of poppies. But they make their way to the Emerald City. But before they can get help, they must bring the Wicked Witch's broomstick. Cue the flying monkeys. On their way to the castle, she sends the most adorable evil minions to attack and capture the party. The witch can't take the ruby slippers from Dorothy's live body, so she sets a short timer on her life and leaves to wait for her to expire, which is a classic Bond villain move. What's a Bond villain? (laughs) So Bond villains would always capture James Bond, and then they would tell him their evil plan and wait for some machinery to kill James Bond while they would walk away and just assume that it happened. That doesn't sound very smart. No, it's not very smart. And the witch did the same thing, walking away. Just assuming Dorothy was going to die when the hourglass ran out. Yeah, you're right, because the three companions sneak into the castle and free Dorothy. 
They are caught trying to flee the castle, but douse the witch with water, making her melt. The witch's guards are freed from her bondage, so they assist Dorothy with the broomstick. They head back to the Emerald City, where they find that the wizard is really just a regular man. But he's wise. He gives them all gifts. They are gifts that they had all along. Toto foils the plans for Dorothy to return with the wizard to Kansas, but Glinda advises her to use the ruby slippers. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. Dorothy wakes up to find she's in her bed, surrounded by her family and friends. She tells them about her adventure, but they don't believe her. Dorothy doesn't mind, though. She's just happy to be home. So, AFI has this on their top 100 movies as the number 6 movie in their original list. That's and number 10 on the 10th anniversary. Is this a top 10 movie of all time? Probably. Because it's really good for kids and adults. They have it listed as the number 1 fantasy movie. The number 26 most inspiring movie. The number 4 quote. Total, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. The number 23 quote. There's no place like home. The number 99 quote. I'll get you my pretty and your little dog, too. The number one song in movie history. The number 82 song in movie history, which is Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. The number four villain in movie history. And the number three movie musical. AFI really likes this movie. Yeah, I can tell. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 98. Popcorn rating is an 89. I'm in the 11%, I think. I don't think I really do like it. Metacritic has it at 100. What? That means that everybody gave it an A+. A perfect score? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't think there were very many critics in that Metacritic rating. And IMDb gives it an 8.0. So the IMDb users aren't so high on it either. Certainly not anywhere near the top 10 in IMDb movies. So the Academy also likes this movie. Even though it was 1939, maybe the greatest year in movie history, it was nominated for Outstanding Production or Best Picture. It won Best Original Score. It won for Best Song. Do you know which song won? Follow the Yellow Brick Road. (laughs) No. Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) It was nominated for Best Art Direction, for Best Cinematography Color. Okay, that's one. I agree. They should have won that. Gone with the Wind won that one. And Best Special Effects. Ooh, it could have been nominated for Color and Black and White. Oh. Whoa. <gasps> All right, our next category is Earmuffs. There's really nothing in here that's objectionable for children. No bad language. There's some intensity. Which is kind of scary for, like, younger children, maybe. Yeah, like two-year-olds, three-year-olds. Yeah. But not, like, legitimate scary. Well, she also threatens to kill Toto. She does. Which is very sad. It is very sad. I think the scariest thing in the movie is those trees. Yeah. <laughs> they were really... Um, especially like the demon trees. The one by the witch's castle. Oh, I was thinking about the apple trees that grabbed her. Oh, no. Like the second ones um, with the faces, they were like really scary. Okay, they were scary, but the apple trees... <laughs> at first they were scary, and then they started chucking the apples. <laughs> and then and they were scary. No, they, they throw like Nuke Lelouch. You don't. You haven't seen Bull Durham. That's okay. Probably won't watch that one for a while. All right. The historical background. This is where we usually talk about what's going on in history uh, when the movie was made. 1939, of course, in Europe, World War II, and all that. 
But here, I don't want to talk about what was going on historically around the setting of the film. I'd like to talk about some of the theories about what people think the movie is about. This is going to go some weird places. (laughs) Yeah, it is. All right. So there's one theory that the movie is an allegory about monetary policy, that the yellow brick road represents the gold standard and the silver shoes from the book, which are the ruby slippers in the movie. They represent a group of proponents who want to keep the 16 to 1 silver to gold ratio, and they're dancing on down the gold standard. I have no idea what that means. (laughs) I know. And the city of Oz gets its name from the abbreviation of ounces, O-Z, so gold would be sold in ounces, (laughs) O-Z's. Same with silver. You're not buying this one? No. No. It's like people have written whole books just on that. Really? Really. Do they have nothing up to do? <laughs> well, that's how you get tenure when you're a professor. Oh. <laughs> right. Other people think that the Scarecrow and Tin Man represent farmers and the steel workers of America moving westward. And the Wicked Witch of the West represents the American West. And the Winged Monkeys could represent another Western danger, the indigenous peoples. The kings of the winged monkey tells Dorothy in the book, Once we were a free people, living happily in a great forest, flying from tree to tree, eating nuts and fruit, and doing just as we pleased without calling anybody master. This was many years ago, long before Oz came out from the clouds to rule over this land. That's kind of sad. It is kind of sad, but that's why some people think that, you know, the monkeys are are really the Native Americans. But that's also probably not appropriate, and really... I don't think that's what Frank Baum or the movie producers were thinking of when they made the of Oz. No, no, it's not an allegory about American expansionism. Okay, some people claim that the Yellow Brick Road is the road to heaven and the dangers that await, but the reward is there for those who are persistent. Oddly enough, other people think that it's really about atheism, that you follow that road to heaven and when you get there, God is really just a man behind a curtain. People are thinking too much, you think? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then even later on, people would look at the film and talk about the inadequacy of adults. So the adults are powerless, and they rely on the children to save them throughout the movie. And you can view this from like from the point of view of the hippie flower children who wouldn't trust anyone over 30. Or, you know, more optimistically, that each generation can say that they messed everything up, and it's their kids that have to fix it. Oh, so like how we, America owes so much money to China, and they're just like dumping it off to the next generation. <laughs> yeah. So thanks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it. You did. Or the environment, or nuclear war when I was a kid, or, well, you already mentioned the debt. That's still giving a bigger, bigger problem. I kind of actually like that one, even though I don't think it was the intention yeah. I like that as a, as a message of the movie. Yeah, it did kind of make sense. Yeah. So let's talk about our hero in the movie, or heroine in this case, Dorothy. So what were Dorothy's motivations? To get home. Also to help her friends. Well, her motivation wasn't to get home at the beginning. To keep the ruby slippers away from the witch? Or, no, it was to, like to run away. Yeah. She was looking for something more, something better, right? They were all looking for something more and something better. But they had it all along. (laughs) 
So was was Dorothy a good guy? Was she a good person? Yes, because she was helping her friends, like, along with her. Like, she took the scarecrow along the Tin Man and the Lion, even though it did kind of cause her some trouble. But okay. they also did save her. That's true. But they did cause her trouble. Yeah. Yeah. She did go out her way to help them. She was kind of whiny, though. How so? She didn't care about everybody getting in trouble. Okay, so it's ridiculous that they would lose their farm over some little dog that tried to yeah, bite somebody. Exactly. Okay, that's ridiculous. But her aunt and uncle believed it. And the idea that she would try to keep her dog over her aunt and uncle keeping their farm, kind of selfish and petty. Yeah. And also she was, like, really annoying in the beginning. Like, they were trying to count and, like, working, and she was just, like, annoying them. Well, she was a little girl. She was. But I mean, she was... she was, like, 17 in the movie, but... Well, she's supposed to be, like, 12. I don't know. I don't remember. What were some of the tough choices that Dorothy had to make in the movie? The toughest one was when she got to the crossroads and she had to choose which way to go. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they never really decided that, did they? Her and the no. scarecrow. They well, just kind of danced around a circle and they kept going. Well, he did point somewhere. Yeah, he pointed each direction, remember? Oh, yeah. That's and what was freaking like... her out. <laughs> yeah. But she also had to decide whether or not she would give up the ruby slippers or let Toto live. That's a very good point. I forgot about that one. So what would you have done? I don't know, because dogs are so amazing. And like especially if you have that good of a relationship with your dog, that you're willing to risk your farm. For your dog, versus like, but it we don't really know what would happen if the witch had the slippers, because she could have like it could have caused a lot of trouble for everybody who lives there. Well, she said that she would be the most powerful person in Oz, and, and she's wicked. So yeah. So I probably would have. You would not have. I would not. Have. <laughs> I, but, but then you should have. Yeah. Mister Smith would. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I would have let the dog die. I couldn't let an evil witch have all the power in the world. I know, but she was only a kid like me. She didn't really understand, probably. Actually, she probably did. Because Glenda did say, don't give the slippers to the witch. You're right, she did. That dog was nothing but trouble. It was cute. (laughs) It was cute, but it was nothing but trouble. The whole reason why the story happened was because Toto bit the old lady. It's true. It's not very nice to call her old. But she was. I think she was only like 35. Oh, sorry. Wait. I'm going to find out. <laughs> what if she's like only in her, like, what if she was only like in her 20s? How old is she? How old is she? <laughs> she's 37. She was 37 when this movie came out. Oops. <laughs> I wish I were only 37. <laughs> oh, life would be so grand when I was 37. Life was glorious when I was 37. Wait, you didn't have me until you were like in your 40s. That's not true. Like 39. No, I was. No, we were 37. Oh, because I was born. And then the late this <laughs> My Fair Katie is brought to you by the new true crime podcast, Ariel, from our friends at Gulch Media. It is a bright blue day in Oz. 
when from out of nowhere lightning strikes in the most unlikely of places. A simple ranch house falls from the sky, but where it lands may not have been an accident. The accusers come out of the woodwork. Eyewitnesses claim that the house was deliberately dropped on the victim. The victim's family also blames Dorothy for the murder of their beloved. Dorothy has plenty to gain from the murder, as she claims the valuable ruby slippers right off the dead woman's feet. But Dorothy maintains her innocence. With no alibi, though, how can she prove she didn't intend to murder? The producers of this eight-part podcast will look to answer these questions. You may be surprised to find out what they learn. Download Ariel now from the Apple Store or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, Dorothy, like, she also killed the Wicked Witch of the West. And she said, oh, I didn't mean to both times. Yeah, so maybe she isn't good at all. She murdered two people. But they were wicked people. Who's to decide? How do you know that they're wicked? What did they do that was wicked? What, because she threw some fire at the Scarecrow? Maybe because the Scarecrow was partners with the person who murdered her sister. Well, her name is the Wicked Witch. Okay, that's her name. But who gave her that name? Glenda. Yeah, the good witch Glenda gave her the name Wicked. All that Dorothy knows about these witches being wicked is what she hears from Glinda, the same person who put the ruby slippers on her feet, the same person who told her to go to Oz, who made sure that the witch was killed, the same person who was now the only witch left in all of Oz. What so, about the North Witch? She is the North Witch. What about... The South Witch? Yeah. They never mention a South Witch, or a Northeast Witch, or a South by Southwest Witch. <laughs> Just the North Witch. But there's another musical. Wicked. I don't know anything about that. All I know is what's in the movie. And in the movie, I'm just saying that maybe... But she enslaved, like, hundreds of cute little monkeys. Maybe... And also, everybody hated her who worked for her. They were like, ding dong. <laughs> okay, you got a valid point there. The monkeys, though, I could say that they're like the Oompa Loompas, that he, you know, he really actually saved the Oompa Loompas and brought them there to live when they were losing their home. And so maybe she did that with the monkeys, and they were grateful to her. But her, like, other servant thing, the guards, Okay. they hated her. Fair. All I'm saying is that Dorothy doesn't know any of this until she's actually murdered both of them. So maybe Dorothy and Glinda are really the bad ones, and maybe the Wicked Witch is the good one. Maybe you're just crazy. Okay, maybe I'm just crazy. You're, like, thinking into this too much, like those people with those conspiracy theories. Okay. I'm joking, I'm joking. Okay, fine. I'm joking. All right, but now that we're talking about the bad people, let's talk about the Wicked Witch's motivations. What was her motivation in this? To get the ruby red slippers. And also the actual character to like to get Toto away from her cat. Okay, so as Miss Gulch, Miss Gulch was really evil, I'll give you that. She was yeah. just mean and nasty. But the wicked witch, she wanted the ruby slippers that her sister had. I mean, technically, unless the wicked witch of the east had children or parents, she would be entitled to the bequest of the ruby slippers. <laughs> right? As that's not, we're not nitpicking it. No, that's not nitpicking. I'm just saying that her motivation wasn't that bad. Yeah. 
she wanted the ruby slippers. Yeah, and she but... wasn't even going to kill Dorothy until she forgot and remembered that she had to kill Dorothy to get them. But also, she was probably going to do bad stuff with the slippers. Like that goes back to what we were talking about, though. I don't know what she was going to do with them. You don't know what she was going to do. Dorothy certainly didn't know. It's a children's movie. <laughs> she has to be the villain. Five-year-olds don't think that much into a movie. You'd be surprised. Five-year-olds are smarter than you think. Don't sleep on a kindergartner. They'll eat your lunch. I mean, literally. <laughs> They'll eat your lunch. <laughs> um, so, but did she have a point, though? Obviously, I think she did. I'm arguing that she had a point. Because she's out there. Her sister's just been killed. Everyone believes it's a murder except for Dorothy. Even Glinda's kind of like gloating over like, Hee, you killed the Wicked Witch of the East. <laughs> like, good on you. <laughs> Right? Everybody seems a little too happy about this death. And maybe maybe she's totally like the Hitler of Oz, in which case everybody would be happy. But we don't have any of that information. But you can guess. <laughs> okay, fine. Right, fine. Whatever. I'm just <laughs> saying that I think she's got a point. And that she just wants her, her family's heirloom back. I mean, if it were... If it were a fancy diamond necklace... If it were a Yadro, I don't even know what that is, but I know my mom used to have them. <laughs> oh, wait, are those like those, um... I think they're some kind of figure thing. Uh, I don't know. You, your Aunt Debbie has all those. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Whatever. What I'm saying, though, is that it's a family heirloom, so it seems fair that she would want them back. She did seem a little power-hungry at the very end. But up until that point... I mean, the worst thing she did is get some apple trees to throw some apples. She threw some fire at the scarecrow, but didn't even hit him from, like, 20 feet away. She throws about as well as the apple trees do. Maybe she needs the slippers so she can, like, become more powerful. Because she needs that. Yeah, she, yeah, she's really not that powerful, is she? No. And she's so weak that she could just be melted by a few drops of water. Yeah, and it wasn't even that much. It mostly got on the scarecrow. Yeah, it wasn't even that much water. It was like it was like a, a spritz. It's like those those water bottles that like spray you when you're hot. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like on a humid day, is she just gonna melt? Like if she lived in Florida, could she just like melt away? Like on a hot summer afternoon? And it's also in Kansas. Is it in Kansas? It's in Oz. Oh, never mind. Oz must be a dry climate. Probably. Because seriously. I mean, as much water as she got on her, it's barely more than, like, what if she sweats? Would she melt if she sweats? Hmm, I don't know. Maybe, probably. Like, if she's really hot. Maybe she doesn't sweat. She's a witch. Maybe she can control that. Wait, does she ever take showers? Ooh, she's <laughs> never taken a shower. That's a good point. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she would be ripe. Of course, if she doesn't sweat... I don't know how smelly she would get. But she's around monkeys all day. <laughs> Those monkeys can't smell good. No. What if they throw poop at her? <laughs> what does she do then? They didn't seem like that kind of monkey. I like the monkeys. They're cute. The monkeys were great. It was really good how the stunts they did with the monkeys flying in yeah. and scooping them up. That was really cool. I was impressed with that. Today they would CGI it and it wouldn't look as good. No, it probably wouldn't. No, it would look like cartoonish, like 
an Avengers movie. The setting of the movie is is obviously Kansas, right? Is that important to the film that it's in Kansas? Maybe a little bit because if it was in like New York City, she probably wouldn't get bored. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, so, are you saying to any potential listeners we have in Kansas that Kansas is really boring? No. It's just that it was in 1939. Or... Yeah. Yeah. It even takes place before that. I think in 1939 this would have felt old. Right? There were no cars. There were no telephones. Oh. And it was kind of like in the beginning of it. No radio. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe it's because... It was in Kansas. Oh! No! <laughs> I'm Ouch. joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. You weren't. <laughs> I think it was because it, it was supposed to take, be older, because the book was written in like the 1890s. Sorry. Well, Kansas is in the Midwest, and it's all American, and they have down-to-earth values. That's true. I mean, Dorothy would need that. Yeah. Right. And you're right, though. She's not looking for somewhere over the rainbow if she's living in California or New York City, right? Also, it doesn't really tell you where Oz is. Is it in heaven, or, like, would it be in, like, an actual, like, somewhere in Earth? Or in her head? What if it's not fake, though? What if, like, never mind, okay, let me cut that part out. (laughs) No, I want to hear this. What if it's not fake, though, say that? Like, what if it's not fake? Like, what if the officer didn't want it to be fake? The Oz is a real place that you can get to by hot air balloon? All right, craft work. Let's talk about the cinematography. So this movie is in Technicolor, in the middle part, and the beginning and end are in black and white. That was really amazing because Dorothy thought that it was, like, better, so there was more color. But then she realized that the only place that was, like, really going to be always important to her was her house in, like, Kansas and her town and her farm. So is it that the color is dreams? Or is it that... It can't be a dream because when she got knocked out, it was still all gray until she opened the door. Right. So only Oz is in color. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. Yeah. Imagine 1939... If you've never seen a color movie before, and you're sitting in the theater, and you see it's it's that beautiful sepia tone, and it is pretty in the beginning. It is really pretty. And then all of a sudden, she opens the door, and it's just, boom, technicolor. And not just color, but like everything is so bright. Flowers and the yellow brick road. That would be really surprising. Yeah, it'd be amazing, wouldn't it? It would. Can you imagine... That would be a really fun effect. Like, if you haven't seen it before, and, it, like, you haven't seen any colored movies. Yeah. That'd be really cool to see. would be, like, mind blown. Now, how about the music in this movie? It is a musical. It is a musical. <laughs> is it good music? Yeah. So, obviously, there's good songs in the movie. Yeah. All right, so how about the music in the movie? Besides the famous songs, there were some other not lesser-known songs, and there was other score. What'd you think of that? It had a really big impact on the movie because the more dramatic parts, it made more dramatic music and it made it feel more dramatic. <laughs> what a dramatic take. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
I think that the music in it was more comparable to a modern movie where there was music throughout, unlike, let's say, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, where there wasn't that much music in it. Here, the score really played up the dramatic elements. I agree. Okay, how about the costume design? What did you think about the costumes in the movie? The munchkins, that was really cool. How, like, they had the flower hat. It was a hat, and it had, like, a flower on top, and they were hiding in the beginning. And they also, like, had all different costumes, and it was really cool to watch. It was, like, all bright and colorful, and only, like, a couple of people had the same It was a great introduction, wasn't it, to Oz? Yeah. It was really good. You know what I thought was great? It was when they opened the door into Oz, I'm just kind of going back to the color film thing, it was a really good transition because Dorothy actually goes in and is still in sepia, and she opens the door. They must have just done that trick with lighting. And they open the door, and then you see the color, and the camera pans through the door into the world of Oz. Yeah, that's really cool. And then you see Dorothy, and it's like she's wearing something completely different because that blue gingham, it's so, like, vibrant in color, and it's so plain in black and white. Yeah. It was a, I thought it was a great choice to where she could wear the exact same thing and go from looking very plain to, I don't know, just... Vibrant? Yeah, it was vibrant. It was, she looked adorable. But, you know, it really popped on the screen, too. And then the monkey vests were good. <laughs> right? <laughs> the guards had good uniforms. Oreo. They looked good. <laughs> the people in Oz, it was really cool how they were all wearing green. And also, they used the same actor three times, and he all had, like... I think he changed wigs and costumes. Sure. The costumes is really cool in the movie. It was good. How about the editing of the movie? I think it was actually pretty perfect. Except, um, it was too quick when the witch died. There should have been something else to it. Because it was like, she was just standing there, and they poured the water on her, and she died really quickly. There should have been more to that scene. It was pretty good effects, though. It was really good The way she melted and disappeared, and they didn't cut. Normally, you would see, like, they throw the water, and she starts saying, I'm melting, and she starts going down. And then they cut to a different angle so that she can be, like, disappeared and they can use, like, a different effect. But this one, it was one shot, and she disappeared all the way down into nothing. That was really cool. But also, like, when the smoke went up, I could tell how they did that. There was, like, a slit in the floor, and then, like, it came up. Like, you know, like, the red stuff. Yeah. The smoke. Yeah. I'm going to say, I was impressed with the special effects of the movie. It was pretty good, especially for 1939. Yeah, it was great for 1939, and that's why they won an Oscar. But some of the stuff still looks good and holds up. Yeah, like the room when she walked out, like you just mentioned. Yeah, well, it was a great shot. And the monkeys we talked about, flying the flying monkeys and landing and going back up, that was really good. Maybe the tree is not so good. (laughs) Although when I was a little kid, I found that to be so creepy and scary. The Tin Man. Tin Man's costume. Was. Yeah. It, you could tell, like, when he turned around, like, he was wearing pants. Yeah. It looked like, like a robot costume I would have made for, like, you and <laughs> when you were little. Where you just get some cardboard and roll it up and paint it. <laughs> and you just put pants on because you can't see behind you. So you don't know that you don't look good. <laughs> and just, like, a funnel on your head with some tinfoil over it. The Tin Man was pretty weak. Yeah. The Scarecrow, though. It was really good. was really good. How did like they get him to like be in the ground like with his legs off? Oh, that was good. They would just 
Oh, okay. The hole. In, okay. Yeah, but his, like, makeup on his face. The mask? Yeah, the mask. That was really good. It was, because it looked like it was a hood. Also, the lion and, like, the... Yeah, his... This muzzle thingy, the snout. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was really good, too. The Tin Man was kind of weak, but the makeup, I mean, was solid. It looked silver. It did. Also, like, on his, like, inner lips, they had, like, a dark lip. Yeah. That would be really disgusting, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> like, to have to deal with. That guy had to have died of cancer from that. It was probably just lipstick. Fine. I mean, all of it. Oh. What you want to see? Uh. That would be fun to game. Not like him, but like the lion. Oh, man. He lived another 40 years. Oh. So, besides the costumes, the scarecrow, also, good dancer. Yeah. I love the way he just, like, with treat his body like a rag doll, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was really good. Okay. The lion costume was really bad. Like, you could, when he was Whoa. laying down, you could see, like, the pads on his feet. That, <laughs> and it was really bad. And when they were pulling on his tail. It looked like a onesie. You could see, like, a square that was, you know, the, that was the structure inside yeah. of the tail to keep it from pulling out. But the fur was great. Yeah, that was good. It was really good fur. And... and also, like, the part where he has, like, the huge mane with curls and bow. The curls and bow is just adorable. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so nitpicking. We've done a bunch of nitpicking already. Any Anything else you wanted to bring up? How do you not see a house falling on you? I guess you're not really looking up all the time. But, like, wouldn't you hear it? Would you hear it? It's a good question. I mean, it doesn't have engines like an airplane. Would it be coming in like a mortar from a... Oh, you know, World War Two movie, like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. Also, why did Dorothy get into Mr. Marvel's caravan? He why not? Been, he could have been an axe murderer. <laughs> he was a fortune teller. She doesn't know that. Oh, that sounds like our discussion about the Wicked Witch, though. Dorothy doesn't know a lot about what's going on around her, and, and she makes a lot of major decisions. Also, unless he was just camping out, why would he go to, like, Kansas? Well, he was traveling. Oh, I guess, yeah. And near the end, when, like, the hourglass is going off, and that's when she would die, why didn't she just turn it on its side to make it stop? That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, you could argue that, obviously, if she flipped it over the other way. Um, like, you could also, like, if it was about to run out, flip it over on the other side yeah, again. If she did that, maybe that would kill her. Or if she broke it, maybe that would kill her. But How I, was it going to kill her? I don't see why, when it's about to go out, you don't just put it on its side and hope for the best. Yeah. Or, like, when it, like it's middle. Like, why not just turn it on its side? Oh, no, you don't wait for the middle because you might get saved or figure out a way out. Oh, yeah. Another nit I have is with the scarecrow. At the end, when the scarecrow gets a brain, he says, The sum of the squares of any two sides of a right triangle equal the third side. But that's not true. The Pythagorean theorem is that the square of the hypotenuse equals the sum of the squares of the other two sides. I have no idea you're talking about but okay come on you're gonna learn that next year i'm certain of it in seventh grade yeah in seventh grade okay that seems so confusing it's not confusing if you have a, a right triangle that is 
three down, four across, right? You take the sum of the square of three, which is what? What's three times three? Nine. And what's four times four? Sixteen. So what's nine plus sixteen? Twenty-five. Okay. So that means that the hypotenuse is the square root of twenty-five. What times what equals twenty-five? Five. Five. So oh. if you have a right triangle, the sum of the square of a plus b equals c. But it's not any two sides. You can't take oh. you can't take the five and the four and square those and it equals nine. That sounds so confusing. No, it's not so confusing. But he totally gets it wrong. Maybe he did. But now he's got a brain. He can figure this out. He totally doesn't have a brain. Maybe he didn't have a brain all along. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> right, and that means the Tin Man didn't have a heart either. He doesn't really care about anybody but himself. It's always me, me, me with the Tin Man. Oil me this, oil me that, oil me this. I wonder, like, if they actually used the whole can of, like, oil. Because it seems like they were spraying it, like, a lot. <laughs> and it couldn't have been completely full. They probably just ran to the Home Depot to get some more. Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> <sighs> All right, the big picture. So what's the message of the movie? We talked about what some people think. What do you think the message of the movie is? There's no place like home. You think it's that simple? Mm-hmm. Everything, uh, you're, everything you really need is with you all along? Everything you need to be happy. Oh, you don't realize what you have until you lose it. That's true, too. So, does this movie still have the same meaning today Do you than you think it did in 1939? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're right on this one. But I don't think the movie would have the same effect. Because people were so used to black and white back then, but now people aren't. And the change wouldn't mean anything to them, probably. No, and the characters are are more simplistic. Yeah. Either good or either evil. Yeah. And characters today, people kind of laugh at that. So it's overall place in cinema history? You think this is a top ten movie? I would say, for what I've seen. Is it in your top ten? Yes. It is absolutely not in my top ten. It's not in my top 100. I don't get it. Is Rocky number one? Yeah, I have Rocky number one. Say no, say no. <laughs> Wait, say no, say no. Okay. Uh, no, Rocky's not number one in my 100 either. Then it's wrong. Whoa. No, it's not Rocky. But it's not Wizard of Oz either. I don't get it. I appreciate a lot of the elements of it, but I just don't see it. I can see that, but if you watch it enough times. And you don't have to fully understand it to love a movie. I think I would like it more if it really were about monetary policy. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> You'll learn about that next year. And the Katie goes too. Time for our awards. The Cherry Limeade Award. The award for the part of the movie you could watch every day. Alright, I have three nominees. The tornado scene. Which, by the way, was a really good scene. It was really good. I mean, it really looked like a tornado. It did. Somewhere Over the Rainbow, the song, or Munchkin Land, our introduction to Oz. Munchkin Land. It was so fun to watch, and there were so many like elements to it. I probably would not get bored of it. Okay. Oh, while we're talking about Munchkin Land, this was something I didn't realize as a kid 
until watching it again recently that the entire movie takes place on fairly small sets. They're not even big sets. When you watch it carefully and you see like they're skipping the off wall. the Elbrick Road, yeah. that they're going right up to a wall. Yeah. And you said in the movie like Dorothy like went right up to the wall like yeah. when, when it fades away. Right. Right. So they're small sets, but you don't feel it. They look really good. They do. The biggest set is probably the Munchkinland one. Probably. Next award is the Odessa Steps Award. This is the award for the best scene. Not your favorite scene, but the best scene of the movie. I've got three nominees here. The Munchkin Land scene. The scene where we first meet the Scarecrow and he does his song. And then the final scene where she learns her lesson about there being no place like home. I'm going to go with the final scene because that's when you learn the lesson probably the most. And also, it's really sweet to see Dorothy back at her home again and realize like how much she missed everybody, even though she was trying to run, her, run away. Yeah, I think I agree with that one. Okay, I can buy that. But you don't get to pick. I don't get to pick, but I'm not going to argue and try to convince you otherwise. Wait, which one would you think? I don't know. I might go with that one. I like the Scarecrow scene because yeah. it's fun. It's really good dancing. It's a good song that we hear over again. Um, and I like the Scarecrow. Yeah. He was my favorite out of the three. Yeah, me too. Dorothy. And Dorothy's also, favorite too. Cause which was really rude. Why did you say that? It was so rude, too? right? The more we talk about this, the less I like Dorothy. <laughs> Next award, this goes to 11. Our award for the most over-the-top moment in the movie. And I've only got two nominees here. Let me know if you have any. The first one is The Cowardly Lion. Anything with The Cowardly Lion. And the other one is The Wicked Witch, her death scene. Do you have any other nominees? No, I think you got it. Well, is there an obvious winner here? The Wicked Witch of the West Death. Because I really liked The Cowardly Lion and I thought it was kind of funny. And I also thought it was kind of ironic to see a lion, like, be afraid of everything. <laughs> yeah. He was funny. You don't think he was over the top, though? Well, I thought he was over the top, but, but that's not why I much. liked him. <laughs> okay. I, but this isn't about who you like. This is about who, like, did too much. I guess it's okay to, to like it being over the top. Yeah. I think it's the death scene. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. I just, like we said before, she's not going to melt because of a few drips of water. Apparently she is. <laughs> well then why hasn't she melted yet? Because she didn't take a shower. We decided that earlier. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Alright. Next category. The McDonald's French Fries Award. The award for the most delicious side item in the movie. So I got three nominees here. The Flying Monkeys. You know how much I like the Flying Monkeys. The Lollipop Guild. Everybody loves the Lollipop Guild. And Toto. He might be a little too much of a role to be side item, but any nominees on your part? No. So, who do you think? The Flying Monkeys. Really? Yeah. Oh. They were so cute. I was so sure you were going to pick Toto. No. Monkeys it is. <laughs> your unanimous choice here. It's the Pictures That Got Small Award for the best quote of the movie. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. There's no place like home, and I'll get you my pretty and your little dog, too. 
this was really easy for me to pick nominees because all three of those were nominated by AFI as the top 100 quotes of all time. Did you have any others you wanted to add? No, not that I can remember. What are we supposed to do when we do Casablanca? <laughs> well, that's a good one. I'll just have the whole movie listed out and we'll oh, just okay. read through it and we'll decide what the best line was. Okay. Mine is There's No Place Like Home because that sums up the whole movie. What's yours? I like the I have a feeling we're, no, we're not in Kansas anymore. That's what AFI liked too. Wasn't that number three? Or number four. Number four quote. Right here. Number four quote. I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. Okay, so I agree with AFI on this one. But it's not my choice. <laughs> All right. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Who won the movie? This category has no nominees. You just have to pick the winner. Could be a character. Could be somebody outside the movie. The winner is Toto because he didn't get taken away. <laughs> You're right, he didn't. Oh, picking nits, going back. Okay, sorry, I hate to do this, but I forgot about this one. They put him in the basket. They show them locking the basket. They put the basket on the bicycle. And as soon as she starts riding away, Toto just hops right out. Toto, no fingers. Toto, no ability to get outside the basket. How is Toto just popping his head out? Maybe like Dorothy unlocked it or something. No, she was in her room crying. Oh, yeah. Just don't show them locking it. Just assume that she's careless. Yeah. That bothers me. Yeah. I mean, it's not a huge thing. But it bothers me. Unanswered questions. I have one unanswered question. And then you can tell me if you have any. Okay. Where does the red brick road go? Yeah, I was going to ask that too. Seriously, right? All this talk about the yellow brick road, and yet there's a red brick road that's swirling right along it, goes in the opposite direction. I'm so surprised that they haven't made like a sequel, like for the yellow brick or the red brick road, because that's all they seem to do now. Where's the Witch of the South? Yeah, you would assume there would be, but there's no mention of one. It would probably be a good witch though, because there's one good witch, two bad witch. Which is, and then one more good witch. Again, going back to assuming that Glinda didn't already kill her sister, the Witch of the South, because Glinda's really evil. She's not. It seems to me like Glinda ends up with all the control that she manipulated Dorothy and ends up being in that position. I think, really, Glinda is a film noir villain, and I'm just saying it. Well, then why do all the munchkins love her and, like, say, Oh, bye, Glinda. Bye, Glinda. She got them fooled, too. Okay. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Should this movie be remade? No. No? You think it's perfect as is? Yes. I can't imagine this movie being remade. No. You're right. I think it would look campy and ridiculous if it were filmed today. Yeah. All right. That leads us to That's a Wrap. Final thoughts on the movie. I've already kind of given mine. Not a big fan. I loved it. There was a lot of themes, but the uh, most notable, noticeable one for me was you don't know what you have until you lose it. All right. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.